Guardians lead all of baseball in runs scored. Can't welcome, be true. welcome to Guarding it the cannot Corner. Be true. <laughs> it is true. Welcome to the Guarding the Corner. It. I am James Mastrucci, and that other voice you heard is Brian Fraley. Brian, the Guardians. Happy to be here, man. The, the Guardians' offense is alive. They are alive. Um, it, it's pretty shocking where we're at right now. Um, I've got some of the some of the numbers ready for when we dive deeper into that conversation. But yeah, the bats are alive and the Guardians are hot, and it's a good time to be in Cleveland right now. I cannot believe what is happening watching watching them play. Granted, it's the Royals and the Reds. However, I do see see some things that are translatable uh, when they do face you know superior pitching staffs than what they've seen already. Yeah, I agree with you. That's a good point. You know, we haven't exactly been facing, you know, some of the aces of the league. Uh, but, yeah, there there are some trends and some uh, things about the approach that I think will translate well once we do face better pitching. So I agree. And with that, let's get into it. Uh, the first game down in Cincinnati, uh, you know, after some of the uh, <laughs> questionable comments from uh, uh, Phil Castellini down in Cincinnati, Oh gosh! Uh, oh, did you did you hear those? I, I haven't heard them, but as soon as you said his name, I'm like, what now? <laughs> oh, saying like, we're here. Where else are you gonna go? Uh, threatening to move the team like it's out of the Simpsons. Uh, oh. Like, oh, oh man, like, what are you doing down there in Cincinnati? Yeah, not good, not good. It's nice to uh, to come home with the Ohio Cup this early in the year. I think this is the first time we've ever claimed the Cup in April, if I'm not wrong. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're right because we never played the the Reds this early on, and we never take at least half of the games this early. Uh, yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's it's early for us to have that. Um, but yeah, like you said, things are not great down in Cincinnati right now. Um, obviously great american ballpark great place to play great place to see a ball game but in terms of their organization and where things are headed um a lot of question marks right now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so let's dive into this first game down in cincinnati uh shane bieber was on the mound doing shane bieber things okay yeah. he he looked he looked pretty good you know a couple walks in there allowed three runs but you know that'll happen but the guardians offense they scored 10 runs in this game. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, and, you know, after coming off of that big performance, the 17-run game, um, often those are followed by duds. Uh, mm-hmm. It happens all the time. Um, you know, you, you hear the expression used, save some of your runs for the next game. You know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, there seems to be some truth to that sometimes. But this Guardians team, um, they played right through it, and they mm-hmm. came out and scored another 10 runs, which is just unbelievable. I didn't know if we were going to see – consecutive 10 run games from this team all year long yeah i mean that's a good point since the 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 first two games of the series after the first 18 innings of the season where they scored all of one run Mm -hmm. (laughs) they have managed to score 42 runs yeah and i've got 44 correct i'm sorry 44 i've got 44 runs off of 58 hits (laughs) that's insane yeah and that's during this four game winning streak that we're on um, it's so funny though, cause those first two games of the season, like that felt like, it felt like that's what this year was going to be to me. Yeah. And then just the complete change in, and the attitude from the fan base right now is just, mm-hmm. it's so dramatic. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, when when you come out and you score that many runs against any pitching staff, um, it's a good thing. And to do it on consecutive days, and for now, four games in a row now, the bats have showed up. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just awesome. It's awesome to see, especially from a young team, um, youngest team in the major leagues. So uh, they're doing some really good things for a young team right now. They are doing some very good things considering their the youth of this team. You know, they're mm-hmm. I think they have like two guys over the age of thirty on the roster. That's a, yeah, that's a, about all that I see. Uh, you know, Brian Shaw and um, can't think of the other one right now. Shaw is definitely one of them. Shaw's thirty three or thirty four, mm-hmm. but you know, it's not an old team. No, uh, it is not an old team, and I, I want to verify that there's two guys over thirty because I'm pretty sure there is. So I'm gonna pull up their roster real quick. Hosey's twenty nine, right? Twenty eight, yeah. twenty nine. Okay, twenty nine. Anthony Ghost, that's the other one. I, I oh. completely forgot about him. So we have two relievers, the only guys over thirty. The next oldest player is Cal Quantrill, twenty seven. Zach Plesac also twenty seven. Anthony Castro, twenty seven. Oh, okay. So yeah, we got Goes and Castro in this game. Um, so two of the older older arms, or uh, I'm sorry, goes going out in that game. So ironically, the younger pitchers did better than the uh, <laughs> the experienced <laughs> veterans in this series. Yeah, because uh, Anthony Ghost did not have a, a great moment. He he's credited with a blown save in this game. Could you try again? Yeah, sorry, Siri's going off on me. Oh, um, oh uh, hello, yeah. Siri. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's he gets credited with the blown save. Um, we had the uh, there goes the neighborhood moment, which was kind of fun. But uh, yeah, it had us uh, had me worried for a little bit there because uh, that was that was not a good uh, a good outing from him. No, it wasn't. And he gave up, a, you know, a home run to Tyler Naquin. And Tyler Naquin historically does not have great numbers off of left handed pitching. Right. And, you know, you kind of wonder if this is kind of one of those uh, ripple effect moments because uh, Tommy Pham got hurt earlier in the game, which led to Aristides Aquino replacing him. Now, mm. if Pham doesn't get hurt, my gut says Aquino pitch hits for Naquin there. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Yeah, it, that's kind of like a domino effect in this game that I didn't put those pieces together at the time. But now that you say it, yeah, that's that's right on. Because, you know, and who knows what happens there. I mean, uh, Aquino, is he's all right. But, like, I don't know if he goes yard off or goes there. Maybe he does. Maybe maybe goes, like, lets a, a fastball sit middle in and he takes him yard and also hits one off the batter's eye in dead center, too. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a chance. But, you know, it, I mean, it seems like that that's, that's what led up to this series of events happening the way that it did, for sure. Um, so, Four run inning there, yeah, yeah, so, rough, so, rough inning. Luckily, you know, they're able to to get out of that inning. Then it took a couple more, but then the bats went to work. Six run ninth. We had the uh, Andres Jimenez two run homer, and of course the Jose Ramirez grand slam in the ninth to officially close the door on this game. Yeah, I mean, and the the funny thing is too is, like, early on when the bats started getting hot, like, uh, I remember the broadcaster saying, and Hosey hasn't even figured it out yet. Like, wait till Hosey figures it out. <laughs> well, now Hosey's figured it out. And and uh, now that he's figured it out, man, just, like, the, the way that they piled on in that ninth inning was sweet, and uh, it's, it's good to see him. I mean, after a player gets paid like that, sometimes you could see a little dip in production. They get a mm-hmm. little comfortable. That is not what we're getting from Jose Ramirez. If anything, it seems that that has re-energized him. 
um, and he's focused as ever. Yeah, interestingly enough, uh, both Ramirez and Jimenez both had um, homers and triples in the game. Wow. Uh, and they both drove in runs. So uh, Ramirez had five RBI in the game, and Jimenez had three. I've got three for you. Yeah. Three. Yeah. So great game from both of those uh, both those guys. Um, yeah, it's really good to see. And I mean, how crazy is it that we're getting the production that we've got out of a guy like Oscar Mercado too? Yeah, we. I mean, he didn't do much in this game. He was 0 for four. He scored a run, but we got some more in the next game. Talk about yeah. Mister. Uh, Mr. I put on 20 pounds of muscle, Oscar Mercado. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, transformed into quite the uh, the specimen in the box this year, which is just completely shocking to me. It, it is, because, you know, the, the third outfield spot was a position that was kind of in flux on this roster. And not that I think he's going to be able to, you know, lay claim to be full-time starter. I mean, he's still in the average department, leaving a lot to be desired. And, you know, there is the impending return of Josh Naylor and exactly how they put him into the mix here, considering that, you know, we are getting a lot out of Owen Miller, who is playing at first base. Phenomenal. Yeah, he's playing unreal right now. He's seen the ball very well. uh, In this game, he went two for five with two runs scored. I mean, and this is the end of the game where Owen Miller was, uh, had his biggest impact. That's the next game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not his biggest impact by any means. Uh, he, he just kept kept showing more and more to us uh, that the more he came up to bat during this series, it was just like uh, every at-bat from him seemed to have gotten better throughout the series. Yeah, very much so. And it's it's very encouraging to see this offense continuing to, to you know, put the ball in play. And, you know, this is a – they play it in Great America Ballpark. It's a hitter's park, okay? Right. So, you know, let's put that – and get that out there. It is a hitter's park down in Great American, but you know, down in in uh, Kansas City at Kaufman, that necessarily isn't a great hitter's park. And they, no, not they, not by any means. And they he hit there had too. Triples in that. Yeah, yeah, triples as well, which is you know not not an easy park to hit triples in. No, um, it's not. <laughs> yeah, they're they're slugging. They're not just hitting bloop base hits. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, sometimes when you get these four game winning streaks like that and uh, you're scoring a lot of runs, it seems like everything is just bouncing your way. Mm-hmm. That's not what, what this feels like. Like th- this feels like a team that earned every single run that they've scored in that series. Uh, nothing felt like it came cheap, if that makes sense. I mean, yeah. I mean, you brought up slugging. They're they're second in all of baseball behind the Cardinals in slugging percentage. So they lead the American that. League, but they're second overall. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, who could have saw that coming? Uh, nobody, considering that right. they're not necessarily. I mean, they're hitting they're hitting some home runs. Okay, let's 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 get out there. But let's get that out there. But they're not like they're they're second in home runs behind the Blue Jays. You know, tied right. with a, a handful of other teams. But it's not like you're looking at this lineup and it's you know. Mike Napoli, Carlos Santana, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, peak Jan Gomes, yeah. uh, Lindor, Kipnis, like all the guys you thought of when they were hitting home runs back in like 2016, 2017, Edwin, you know, he's not on the team. Yeah. None of them are around anymore. Yeah. They're, they're, they're getting home runs from, from unlikely sources for uh, a couple of the guys and unexpected sources <laughs> from some other ones. Right. And and the other thing is, too, is like when you're going into a game against a, a guy like Lodolo, who's that was his first start of his career, correct? Uh, uh, Molly, uh, Maley or Molly, whatever his name is, uh, pitched the first one. Lodolo was the second one. We haven't got. Oh, I thought I'm sorry. I thought we were on to the second one already. I got ahead of myself oh, a little bit. Oh, we can talk about the second one. I mean, the second one's definitely 
just as I'm interesting. I'm so excited to talk. Yeah, you mentioned Owen Miller and then the the success he had at the plate, and that's the uh, the the two home run game. From yeah, Owen Miller. Uh, so yeah, I thought we were kind of moving on to that one. Already. Yeah, we we can move on to the next game. I mean, yeah, perfect. I mean, yeah. So my my point being though is. When you, you face a young guy like that, you, you want to go into the game and have the kind of approach that they had. You want to give him long at-bats. You want to you know do all the things that this team has been doing, uh, fouling pitches off, not swinging and missing, not striking out, um, putting the ball in play, you know, hitting it where it's pitched. Like, those are the types of approaches that you need to have as a young team, especially when you're going against a pitcher who's coming out for his first start. Like those are the kind of at bats that drives a guy nuts. That's that's just trying to get by in his first start. Yeah, and, and you brought up Ladolo. You brought up long at bats. It, it is uh, worth mentioning that in this game, our Lord and Savior Stephen Kwan finally swung and missed at a strike on the 117th pitch he's seen this season. Rest in peace to one of the most <clears throat> impressive streaks to start a year that we've really ever seen from a rookie. And on the 121st pitch of. Uh, the season he struck out for the first time that was a strikeout looking. Uh, you know, and these are the kind of streaks, though, that they have to come to an end eventually. You know what I mean? They do. And at least they came to an end in a game where the rest of the bats picked them up. You know what I mean? Like, he he was noticeably absent from, you know, production-wise. He did have the one walk uh, where he got credited with the RBI with the bases loaded. Um, but he wasn't on base like he typically was through the first couple games. But, you know, everybody else around him picked him up. So, Yeah, he did. And, you know, it's it, while he did strike out looking, he still hasn't struck out swinging. So we can we can carry that flag forward. <laughs> so, he, yeah, he's got one streak that still lives on. Um, but there is some good to a streak like that coming to an end, too. You know, it, it's got to be a lot of pressure going up there every at bat thinking, man, I haven't swung and missed in September. Like, you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> He's got to have that stuff in his head because it's all anybody was talking about going into this game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, it's it's unfortunate he went 0 for 4 in this game, but you know what? It's kind of like a, a palate cleanser for him. You can just kind of take a take a sigh of relief, you know, deep breath, reflect. It's an off day today before they get back to action tomorrow. Yep. And you can be like, all right, let's get back to work. Because that seems like the mentality that he has. He's not someone that's just going to sit there and dwell on stuff. He's just going to take a deep breath. Look at the pitcher when he gets back in the box and be like, all right, let's go. Uh, yeah, a, a guy like Quan with his approach, that's how you have to go up, you know, up the bat. You have to have a short memory, um, especially in your rookie year. You know, like you're going to have moments that suck. You're, you're going to have mm-hmm. games where you're off. Um, but like I said, for him to have this game and the team still wins, you know, by four runs and then they go into an off day. Like, it's the perfect timing for, for the streak to end and for him to get back into uh, the hitter's cage, you know, work with some, you know, work, work with the hitting coaches, see what was off today, and then hopefully start the next series against the Giants, uh, pick it up where he left off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the other guys that did pick up the slack, we uh, we mentioned him just a little bit ago, but Owen Miller yes. had two home runs in this game, to left and to right center. Yeah, and normally this would be like, oh, okay, he was the, the man of the match. But uh, we also got heavy production from the top of the lineup from Miles Straw, who had four hits in this game and reached base five times. Mm-hmm. Um, that was his third four-hit uh, four game of his career. Um, so good to see that from him. And uh, But, yeah, Owen Miller, he, you know, 
tricks dig the long ball. They say that for a reason. <laughs> um, it's a dumb saying, but they say it for a reason. Um, so yeah, Owen Miller's obviously we're a little more exciting, but uh, from a baseball perspective, a fan standpoint, like I love to see a performance like Miles Straw had. Oh yeah, and, and you know Miles Straw was actually able to successfully steal a base today, so that was also good. Or yesterday. Thank- Thank God, finally. <laughs> it was getting a little ridiculous that first game. It was three straight steal attempts all thrown out by Tyler Stevenson. Tyler Stevenson's got a goddamn cannon. Let, let's he, get that out there. Yeah, he does. And he threw out the you know two straight runners and two of our better base stealers, and then they ran on him again later in the game. And it's uh, it, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over <laughs> again and expecting a different result. Well, they expected a different result. And uh, they weren't getting it, and then finally Miles Straw broke through and got the first stolen base of the season, which was awesome. Yeah, so that that was that was really great to see uh, in this contest. Uh, Jose Ramirez is up to his stuff again because you know uh, it's, it's it's Jose Ramirez. He had another home run, <laughs> another home run, three RBIs. Uh, he's just driving in runs at an incredible level right now. Um, so yeah, it, it was business as usual for Jose Ramirez. But yeah, three hits, three RBIs, the home run. Uh, can't say enough about his game either. He's doing great. You know, uh, you look up and down this lineup and you see a lot of great performances. Oscar Mercado homered in this game. Yeah, another home run from Oscar Mercado, um, which <laughs> just incredible. Uh, you mentioned the uh, muscle he may have or may have not put on in the off season. Um, it appears to have paid off, if, that, if that's true. Yeah. Uh, someone uh, tweeted a, a joke yesterday. It's like uh, uh, the crew at uh, Progressive Field better get to work on putting up an Oscarville sign in left field on the home run porch. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> if, he keeps, if he keeps hitting home runs at this rate. It's hysterical. Yeah, it's a guy you don't expect it from. Uh, bottom of the lineup guy, so awesome to get production from him as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's great to see you just, like you said, you wonder where Mikado's going to fit in, uh, when Naylor comes back and, you know, the team's healthy, is he going to be the odd man out or not, you know? I see them kind of maybe playing some matchups a little bit, easing Naylor into the mix, um, you know, kind of maybe give a couple guys, uh, a, a rest day or so, because, you know, you can have Naylor play the outfield, you can play first, you can have DH too, if you want to give Fran Meal a rest. I suggest yeah. that right now, honestly. I was about to say, but uh, we, everything's been so positive up to this point. I didn't want to bring that up yet, but yeah, he went hitless to this game and has not been off to a good start this year. No, he he is the living embodiment of Pedro Serrano from Major League right now. Uh, he is any sort of breaking pitch, he is swinging right through it. Straight ball, he hits ball far, but curveball. That's no like. So, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's got some work to do in that department. Um, uh, maybe uh, put some rum in his locker for Joe Boo. Uh, I don't know. He's got to do something because he's not hitting right now. Yeah, he, he's not. That needs to change. I think it will change. I mean, law of averages. We know what he is as a hitter. We know he's a guy that hits hits absolute tanks when he connects. Yeah, yeah he does. So I, I'm not necessarily worried. It's just like, okay, maybe give him like a day off. You know, maybe uh, I agree. Uh, maybe they'll have him start on Friday for the home opener, but maybe Saturday they give him a day off or something. You know, when they yeah. start a, a new stretch of games where they uh, they don't have uh, an off day again until I don't it's know when they fun. have the next off day. I'm looking at the schedule. Uh, their next off day is not until Monday, May second. 
Yeah, the, the way that they had to compress the beginning of the season with the, the lockout and what have you. Um, we're not going to have many off days. So, yeah, they, they need to find a way to give him rest. And that's what's awesome about, you know, getting pr- production from a guy like Oscar Mercado when you don't expect it. Because, like, like you said, Naylor's not going to be 100% as soon as he steps back on the field. He's going to need to be eased back into it. Um, and if we could keep Mercado to – I mean, he's not hitting for average great, but – I mean, if he's going to drive in a couple runs and hit a home run here and there, that's great, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be able to put him in and give Fran Mill a rest or, or, you know, to have somebody else in that DH spot, um, that's it's good that we're getting this from Mercado right now. And with the, the, the schedule the way it is put together, I mean, I think rotating that DH spot's going to be something that they should probably do from time to time. And if that means uh, giving Fran Mill a rest once every four or five games and having someone else... Uh, in the DH spot and have him just kind of sit for a game, maybe pinch hit late. I think that's a yeah. way to go. And before we get into, I guess, the the preview, just quick to mention, uh, based off of my suggestion to have him play Friday and rest Saturday, uh, mm-hmm. it's a lefty pitcher that we face on Friday, a righty on Saturday, and a lefty on Sunday. So maybe sit him against the righty and have him face the lefties. But we'll get into that preview a little bit later. That's right. Yeah, good point. Um, yeah, you got to look up matchups too, because there, there's a good time to sit guys and a bad time to sit guys. And um, if he's not hitting, you know, lefty or righty well, then you know, use him when he's matching up against the right guy. Mm-hmm. So let's talk pitching in this game because uh, Sticks McKenzie looked pretty damn good. Uh, yeah, I, he had four four innings pitched, uh, only gave up three hits, no earned runs. And uh, also no walks, which is really good to see. Mm-hmm. And then the six Ks. So yeah, he had a really, really nice performance. Yep, through sixty-seven pitches, fifty of which went for strikes. Incredible. Uh, very encouraging to see, considering uh, I guess the command issues he had in this piggyback start uh, back on opening day. Yep. Yeah, it's very encouraging to see. Um, like I said, the no walks and then to have that percentage of strikes out of that many pitches thrown is pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, he pitched as pretty much as good as he could pitch. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, yeah, but I really liked what I saw from him because he looked a little shaky his first time out there. Yeah, he did. Uh, he looked like he was back to being what we expect from McKenzie. Yeah, yeah because we can't expect him to maintain the level of excellence that he had for that brief period of time last year. You know, he's never going to be a... He's never going to be an, an ace on a staff, put mm-hmm. it that way. Yeah, I think he could be probably a, a solid two or three starter in rotation. Yeah. Yep, there's nothing wrong with that either. It's You're just, right. It's just uh, from a guy like him, you know, this is about as good as you can expect. And um, it was definitely good enough to, to get the win. So it's a it's a shame he didn't get the W on the day. Yeah, Eli Morgan coming away with that win. And he, he pitched admirably, I'll say. You know, uh, he allowed just one earned run on... On the one hit that he allowed, which was a, a home run to Jake Fraley, of all people. Of all um, people, my cousin Jake. He did strike out four. Uh, side note real quick. Uh, Jake Fraley is the bane of my existence in MLB The Show. That dude takes <laughs> me deep all the time. Okay? He's, he is one of those, like, pesky guys uh, when you play. He, he's one of those. He's kind of a pesky player in real life, too. He is. Uh, you know, back in the day, the bane of my existence was Kendry's Morales. Okay, that guy would lace a double. He would take me deep. I, You know, back in the day, in like the uh, MLB 2K days, where there was the mm. perfect game challenge, and you got to throw a perfect game, and I'm playing against, I you know, that. you know uh, the Angels or the Twins, depending on what year you're playing against them. And mm-hmm. I'm like, alright, I'm, I'm cruising, I'm doing good, and it's like, 
pinch hitting for the Angels, Kendrys Morales. I'm just like, shit. I'm going to yeah, give up it, a home run right here, and it happened. Funny how, <laughs> it's funny how guys like that in video games, like, they, they always are, like, the most random people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, but uh, Jake Fraley is the, is the new Kendrys Morales for me. Okay. But uh, enough about MLB the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great game, though. It it's it's fun. It, it yeah. is, it's a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun with it. But uh, we did see something I really wanted to see, and that was Emmanuel Classe pitching well in a non-save situation. Yes. if uh, We talked last show about mm-hmm. how much we despise seeing pitchers, uh, closers in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're going to see it, you want to see him do well in it. And uh, he finally did this game. Um, he came in in the non-save situation, and he pitched pretty much lights out. Yeah, he allowed just the one hit, struck out two guys on 17 pitches, so can't yeah, complain. I mean, cannot complain. Um, if we can get that from him every time he goes out, that would be phenomenal. That would be very much phenomenal. Now, uh, we talked about um, Owen Miller during this game. Uh, he is becoming a little bit of a, a power threat for this lineup. You know, it, it, I mean... Yeah, when you hit two home runs in the same game, like you're you're becoming a power threat. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's currently he's leading all of baseball in doubles with five. I mean, it's six games, incredible. Played, but you know, yeah. five doubles. He's also got two home runs, which is two shy of his career high. The five doubles are three shy of his career high. Mm. But it's, inc- it's incredible. <laughs> slashing five twenty four, five forty five, one point oh four eight slug percentage. That's a ridiculous OPS of one point five nine three. Good God, Owen Miller. <laughs> well, that's obviously, high, that's obviously, than Jose's OPS right now, isn't it? Uh, I think so. Uh, but obviously, you know, a correction is coming. Regression, if you will. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, of course, that's not uh, sustainable. Uh, I think. Let's see, Jose has 1.576. That's higher than Jose Ramirez right now, your leader. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. And Jose's batting 480, you know, like it's not like he's not doing something impressive himself, but yeah. His he's there's gonna be a regression, one hundred percent. Um mm-hmm. you know, that's to be expected. But six games is also a big chunk of games though. You know, that's two series. Like if, if you can give us two series back to back like that, you know, in the middle of the year when we're looking for some production from, you know, guys who aren't Jose Ramirez, you know, mm-hmm. that's great. That'd that, be awesome. And that is really great. Cause we watched him play last year and he really wasn't anything encouraging. I think a lot of people are ready to be like, okay, let's move on and, you know, just play Jimenez all the time or, uh, yeah. You know, when's, when's Nolan Jones coming up? Or can we put Naylor at first and, you know, just let's shuffle some guys out. And it's just like, there's a reason a lot of people were high on Owen Miller when we acquired him from San Diego, and this is why. Yeah, yeah, he, his ceiling is very high. Like, he, he is capable of being one of the better players for this team. Um, it's great to see it out of him now. Um, yeah, regression to be expected, but... Um, anytime you're, you're like when you're playing first base, like you, you want first base to have power numbers, you know, mm-hmm. you need that, that position to have, uh, some power numbers. So yeah, well, I, I want more home runs from him. Hopefully he can obviously not stay this hot, but if he can continue to be a power threat at, you know, the bottom half of that order, that would be very, very good. That would be very good. You know, I, I think we would all love to see more home runs from, but if he's, more of a of a doubles guy, that'd be great too, because doubles still drive in runs with guys on base, especially where he hits in the lineup. Yeah, you know I, what I mean. 
the double, you'll take a double every time, 100%. But I'm, yeah, you, you need to have some kind of slugging threat, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and Absolutely. That's, that's what he's offering right now. Um, so yeah, if you could continue to to offer what you know what he's offering now and yeah he'll he's kind of staking a claim in this in this lineup you know mm -hmm. because when those guys come back obviously he's we're gonna have to find a place for him you know and yeah. i think he's he's kind of demanding management to give him a chance which is good to see yeah like the way i look at it it's like you look at this team look the way it's constructed it it's it's very similar to those royals teams that were so pesky you know back in the day there's a lot of contact there's power from a couple guys, but it's not power all, you know, across the board. It's not like the Yankees lineup where it's home run or strikeout or, or walk, where it's just three true outcomes and that's it. Yep. But I, I look at some of these guys, I'm like, if Owen Miller can, you know, I'm not saying, oh, please turn into Billy Butler, but if he gives numbers similar to Billy Butler, where it's more doubles than home runs, uh -huh. he still drives and runs, I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah, as, as long as he's slugging and he's driving in runs, um, that's great. Because you, you need to have production. Like I said, from first base, you need that production. It's not like the catcher position or, you know, some of the other positions. Like, you, you really need your first baseman to uh, to drive in runs. Yeah, you do. And I'm looking at, uh, I have Billy Butler's numbers pulled up. From 09 to 11, he had uh, 140 doubles, 55 home runs, 266 RBI over that three-year span. I could live with that. I mean, his his home run numbers those years were 21, 15, and 19. Yeah, so nothing that blows you away, but it's it's good enough, you know? Yeah, and I think that, that would be fantastic. If, if He doesn't need to be Billy Butler, but, like, give me something similar. That'd be great. Something— Yeah, and I think that—I think Miller at first and Naylor in the outfield makes more sense to me anyway. Uh, so, yeah, if if that's the way that it works out, I think that would be ideal. Yeah, or, you know, they could, uh, if they're still worried about Eason and Naylor, they could still have, uh, you know, Naylor get a day off every now and then, have Miller at first uh, in Jimenez and Mercado out there as well. Yeah, but or if, you know, let Naylor DH and, and put mm -hmm. someone else out there. You know, there's a lot of things they can do. Um, but, but yeah, I think that, that Owen Miller, is he's suited for first base. So I, I think that's the best spot for him. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out when he's back, but I would imagine that's how they plan on using him. Mm -hmm. and, and, and speaking to, you know, how this team has been doing really good in the contact department and they're not swinging and missing a whole bunch, mm -hmm. they have three of the top six players in lowest whiff rate right now. That's incredible. Obviously, leading away is Stephen Kwan at 4.1%. Mm -hmm. uh, and fifth, uh, tied for fourth place is Owen Miller, who we just discussed. And sixth place is Jose Ramirez at 9.8%. Miller's at 9.1%. Yeah, Jose Ramirez, that, that makes sense. But yeah, <laughs> hearing those guys with those low percentages this early in the year, it's just incredible. It, you know, they're, they're not looking overmatched. They don't look like they're just, you know, swinging and trying to, you know, put everything they can into play because they're, you know, desperate to keep their spot on the roster. They look comfortable. They look very comfortable. And the one thing that I'm noticing, too, is like everybody on this roster has a very similar approach at the plate. Mm -hmm. You know, like like our three hitter and our seven hitter, are, they have a similar approach, you know, and, and that's why I think we're getting such consistent uh, consistency up and down the lineup um, because these guys you normally associate with power numbers, uh, they're even us giving us long at bats. You know, they're not swinging and missing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a good trend to see from them. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it's amazing that what happens when you swap out Ty Van uh, Berkeleo for uh, Chris Valenka as the head <laughs> yeah, coach. Chris Valenka is the hitting coach. Has been doing a phenomenal job. Uh, Victor Rodriguez, the assistant hitting coach, he's doing a great job. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't say enough about those two guys right now, can you? I mean, you, you really can. I mean, because it's just it's it's night and day the the way this lineup approaches their at bats and their performance. Yep. So far. night and day, completely. Uh, when you look at last season and, and what we were getting from the bottom of the order and what we got the first two games from the bottom of the order, you know, it, this is a complete change in direction. Uh, and it's awesome to see. I hope they can maintain it at some level. Yeah, I mean, if they're getting really good pitching right now. Their offense obviously is outperforming anyone's wildest imagination about this team. Um, right up to this point right now uh you know being one of the best offenses in baseball is not something we expected to be said about the cleveland guardians six games in no and we, we also know that you know there's some defensive question marks on this team as well and uh no errors in the the two game series with cincinnati so that's great to see Th- that is good to see especially since there there were some errors in early on in this in the season uh you yes know. there were some glaring errors early on in the season so that was good to see to see that you know even when we're scoring 10 runs seven runs um they're still you know getting it done on the defensive end of things and, and speaking of a guy that committed errors early on in the season who's currently not playing and the impending return of Josh Naylor who who may return? Who do you think's the odd man out here? Is it Bobby Bradley? Uh, it's got to be Bobby Bradley, right? I mean, because who do you put Bobby Bradley in front of out of the guys that we've been discussing there? Y- you don't. Yeah, I, you I mean, can't justify putting him ahead of any of those guys right now. Maybe it's maybe it's Chang that they DFA. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, both of them we're in a very similar situation with both of them but Mm -hmm. i think depth wise you probably do have to keep one of the two um so yeah it'll be interesting to see whether they go with chang or with bradley um but yeah both of them both of them are in a tough place right now with the organization and uh we've needed to see a lot more from those two guys and just haven't seen it yet i mean they they didn't perform well in spring they they haven't really they've really played much so far, but I mean there hasn't been a reason to play them either. Uh, the right. guys that have been called upon have stepped up and exceeded expectations and have firmly planted both of them on the bench. But if I'm looking between Chang and Bradley, at least Chang gives me positional flexibility across the infield. Bradley is first base or DH, and that's it. Uh, yeah, that's that's and with Owen Miller playing the way that he's playing, you know, you kind of got first base locked down potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Yu Chang gives you way more defensive flexibility and, uh, for a team that's, that's young, you know, you want to have depth too. You want to have guys that you can plug in if, if people go down or, or what have you, or guys start slumping and might need to be sent back down for a while or, you know, whatever happens, like you're going to need a guy like that around. We just, I, I just hope that we get more out of them when we do have to use them. Um, because right now they're not giving us anything. They didn't give us anything in the spring. They didn't give us anything last year. So it, it's the, the clock is ticking. I mean, if they wanted to, I guess, be safe, I guess they could probably option down Ernie Clement and still mm-hmm. gi- still give Bradley or Chang a chance. But, I mean, Ernie Clement's even done some things this year. He yeah, hasn't played I mean, a whole bunch, but he's done some things. Yeah, and he's been fine defensively too. So it, he's not one of the guys you worry about there. 
Um, so yeah. Let's see what Jimenez. If you know, I don't know what we're gonna get from him going forward. He's kind of one of the odd men out too, in my opinion. Um, I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. It, it definitely is gonna be interesting. Uh, funny, funny thing. I'm looking at the uh, the picture, the roster, and they have all the pictures. Brian Shaw is the only one whose uh, roster picture is still in last year's uniform. Oh God! <laughs> everyone, everyone else is in white with the new diamond C. Then there's Brian Shaw in a blue shirt with the block C. Uh, of course, <laughs> he was a late addition to the roster. To be fair, to be fair, to be fair, yeah, he was the. Was he not like the latest addition to the roster? Or, or no, that would have been the trade that that brought uh, what's his name, the pitcher in. Yeah, Castro. Castro, that's it. Yeah. But, so yeah, that cat that would have been the most recent. But yeah. But anyways, so <clears throat> let's look around the league. There was a game that happened yesterday: Mariners White Sox. Uh, we decided to focus on this game because division rival. Yeah. Good yeah, pitching matchup. Dallas Keuchel, Robbie Ray, defending Cy Young winner Robbie Ray, which is still crazy to say to me. It is crazy to say, and it's even crazier to say given how he performed last night. Uh yes. Because it was not the best. No. <laughs> Six <laughs> runs and ten hits. Two walks, four strikeouts, three home runs given up. Over six and a third. Uh, yeah. Um, did not look Cy Young worthy at all. Had one of the worst performances I remember him having in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, had ten hits, six earned runs off of ten hits is terrible. Um, he also had a couple walks. Uh, only struck out four, so not a lot of swings and misses. Um, and then the three home runs, which is brutal. So, yeah, they, he took the L here, and uh, it, it was kind of interesting to see um, Keuchel get the better hand on Robbie Ray. I mean, yeah, it was. I mean, Keuchel's, you know, a veteran guy. The the Mariners, they're, I don't know what to think of the Mariners, honestly. They have some interesting pieces on their team, but they're still a young team. You yes, know? very young. They're still very young. I mean, they had Julio Rodriguez, who's... Struggling to start off his career, but I mean, not everyone's going to be uh, Stephen Kwan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Eugenio Suarez is in, has completely cratered from his mm. high days in, in Cincinnati. Uh, Jesse Winkers also struggled uh, with his move to the Pacific Northwest. Right, and you know what I mean. So like, this lineup's just not, like not hitting right now. Outside of like J.P. Crawford, and we everybody knows that's not sustainable. No, he's batting 421 right now. That is not sustainable. OPS of 1.048. Um, yeah, you're not you're not going to continue to get that uh, production from him for sure. And then yeah, Rodriguez is really really struggling coming out of the gate, and it just goes to show you how much like how much more impressive what Stephen Kwan is doing really, mm-hmm. because Kwan is not a guy that like you think of at as like top three. Uh, potential talent in the MLB like coming mm-hmm. into the league like he, he's more of a middle of the road guy um but Rodriguez he's one of the guys that's been touted as the next guy for Seattle mm-hmm. um so they were expecting a lot a lot from him and some power numbers too um so a different type of hitter but yeah he's really really struggling he's only batting .056 on the year, which is terrible. So. Yeah, that's not great. He struck out in three of his four uh, at-bats last night. Yeah, not so much, great. much higher ranked prospect than Stephen Kwan and a much different uh, outcome to the start of his year. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting to compare and contrast those two. 
And uh, let's look at the White Sox pitching. Keuchel, you know, he only allowed three runs, six hits, five innings. That's a typical Dallas Keuchel outing at this point in his career. Yeah, yeah, I think they would take that from him pretty much every time they stick him out there. I mean, uh, inning I'm, short of a quality start, but I mean, five innings out of Keuchel, call that, call that a win. Yeah, and five innings might be a quality start for Keuchel. You know, <laughs> it might not meet the uh, statistical requirement, but for him, you know, he's getting a little, getting up there in age. That yeah. might be about as quality of a start as you're going to get from him. And let's look at this bullpen that just shut down the Mariners the rest of the way. Uh, Kyle Crick, you know, walk one, strike one, striking striking one guy out. Then you had uh, Jose Ruiz, uh, two strikeouts in an inning. Kendall Graveman, two strikeouts in an inning. Liam Hendricks, uh, a run camera across to score while mm-hmm. he was getting the save. But uh, no earned runs for him, two strikeouts, two hits. So, Yeah, and all the... Um... All the production came off of Ray, too, which mm-hmm. is interesting because uh, the, the the relief pitching, they only used three pitchers, so they did get out of there without having to use too many arms, which is really nice. Um, but no hits were given up by the relief pitchers from Seattle. Uh, all 10 hits came off of Ray. So all six earned runs were charged to him. All 10 hits came from him. Did not expect uh, Seattle's bullpen to be the highlight of their, their game. Especially you know, when they, they lose 6-4. to four. And, you know, it was, it was, it was really six to three, except for, you know, the, the little bit of nonsense that happened in the ninth there, but yeah, garbage time stuff there, essentially garbage time, you know, the the way you look how it it all sorted out, Mm -hmm. but you know, the, the White Sox lineup, it seems like they're, they're doing what I think a lot of people thought the White Sox lineup was going to do. They're going to, they're going to get hits. They're going to score runs and they're going to put pressure on your starting pitcher. Yeah, 100%. Uh, that's that's the book on the White Sox, and that's what we've seen some from them so far. And uh, they look really good to start the year. Uh, I got them at 4-1 and one now after that win last night. So mm-hmm. they're first place in the Central uh, Division, and they, they look good. But they're, you're right. They're playing very much White Sox ball right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that top five in their lineup is just ridiculous when you look at it. Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, Jose Abreu, Yasmani Grandal, Eloy Jimenez. That's... Not even fair when you compare that to some of the other uh, starting five in the, in the division. I mean, each one of those guys can take you deep, and a couple of the guys can hit for a pretty good average as well. So it's just like, shit. Yeah, yeah the, the the first five in that lineup is brutal. Um, pro- I mean, by far the best in the division. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, one of the better in, in all of the American League. So I think we'll continue to see a lot of what we're seeing from them. And the question marks are really the guys like Keuchel. So if he can, you know, continue to pitch like he did, that would be tremendous for them. And I, I would think that that would even, you know, set projections even higher if they get that kind of production from him. Yeah, I mean, Keuchel's, you know, he's he's getting up there in age. Mm-hmm. You, you know, he, he, he is 34. He's a contact guy. He just, he's never had a, a an overpowering fastball. His fastball is really much, pretty much a sinker. But... It, it, that's he's a sinker baller, but he's not someone that's been throwing a hundred. You know his his velocity's no. gone down as his career's gone on. I mean he's their fourth starter in their rotation, just ahead of Vince Velasquez. But you know you have Lucas Giolito, D- Dylan Cease, and Michael Kopech ahead of him. Having mm-hmm. Keuchel as your fourth starter, that's a that's a pretty solid fourth starter. It's a hell of a fourth starter. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, yeah, that their starting pitchers in front of him are are no joke. So. The, to have him as the fourth starter in your rotation, 
um, to, to get you a win like that, it's huge. Um, so, yeah, if, if he continues to pitch like that, then look out because, the like you said, it's not a walk in the park going against any of those guys uh, in terms of their starting pitching. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And uh, let's keep things in the in the AL Central for a minute, but we're not going to be focusing on the Twins. Rather, we're going to be focusing on the Dodgers. Clayton oh, Kershaw. My goodness, he looked incredible yesterday. Seven innings, perfect, 13 strikeouts, 80 pitches, Ugh. 53 strikes. And they pull him. And they pull him. Mm. I will mm. I will cede the floor to you on this one, good sir. Uh, yeah, I was very, very upset. Uh, I was watching this game live. It caught my attention that Kershaw was perfect through four innings. And I was like, okay, it's Kershaw. Four innings, he's perfect through. It's worth putting on. Um yeah, only 80 pitches, so his pitch count was low, but I think going into the game, 80 was probably the magic number for him. Uh, as soon as he got to 80, they were always going to pull him. Um, but he was perfect, he, and he looked so good. I mean, the Kershaw of old, 13 strikeouts. I mean, it, he was making batters look ridiculous. Uh, the swing and miss rate was around 60% on his pitches. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean... He's getting up there in age. The Dodgers are trying to win a World Series. He was on a pitch count going into the game. So, yeah, you know, Roberts decides to pull him late. I get it. But, man, is it disappointing as a fan to see because that was one of the more lights-out pitching performances I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, he was incredible. And, you know, for for what it's worth, it, it was Clayton Kershaw's first start of the year. Uh, and mm-hmm. after the game, Kershaw, when asked about you know getting removed from the game after seven perfect innings, he said it was the right decision. It was time, and it wasn't necessarily a uh, warm day up in Minnesota either. So no, no, you, that's you, a good point too. You, you look at that first start of the season, Kershaw's age. It's in Minnesota. Like it perfect makes game perfect sense. would have been awesome to see. Like, and I'd love to see him go and have a perfect game. But at the mm-hmm. same time, like they're not worried about you know sixth, seventh game of the season in no, April. And... <laughs> it, it was their fifth actually. It was their fifth game of the season. They're not worried about that. They they want to win four out of seven in October. Yeah, uh, this is the team that uh, I picked to win the World Series going into this year. So yeah, they're focused on winning a World Series. And you know, I texted you the only way Cl- uh, Kershaw comes out is, is is if he wants to, like if he's okay with coming out. Yeah, if he wanted to stay out there, he was staying out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, for Kershaw being perfect to have that mindset to say, you know what guys, like we're trying to win a world series this year. I don't care if I'm perfect. Like it, let's, <laughs> let's take the win and move on, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and just call it a day because then you don't have to worry about any of the potential injuries or crazy things that could happen in the last two innings of work. Um, so I get it. It makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Um, but yeah, just being a, a baseball fan with no rooting interest, really don't particularly care if the Dodgers win the world series or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I wanted to see him stay in. <laughs> yeah. And you know, if, if Kershaw, you know, continues to go and he gets hurt, he's going to be mad at himself. Dave Roberts is going to be kicking himself. Dodgers fans would be mad. So it's, you look at the Dodgers that they're obviously have world series aspirations. Okay. Cause they're, they're that good of a team. And yeah. I, I think they're, they want to, I guess, win one in a full season because there's people that criticize their 2020 World Series championship because it was during a 60-game season. 
Yeah. And, and yeah, you know, they, they, they got the same criticism that the Lakers got in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, about it about being kind of a faux championship. Yeah. So they want to show they can do it over, you know, a full 162. And I, I, I do think they can. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, I definitely think they can. And for Kershaw to have that mentality, that's got to scare people, you know, for for him to be thinking postseason already this early in the year and being okay with, you know, being pulled with the perfect game. Like, that says a lot about the confidence of that team. Like, they think they're going places for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I, I definitely think they're going places. But speaking of people not going places, Brian mm. Reynolds. Yeah, the, staying in Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh Pirates, two-year contract to avoid arbitration. Uh, he won't reach free agency until after 2025. So they they keep him in, they keep him in town. They keep yeah, him in town. Hey. Great to see them keep him in town because it's something that doesn't happen often for a team like Pittsburgh. Uh, we know this, you know, we know the book on this in Cleveland. It, it happens a lot in Cleveland where guys have a, they come up in our farm system and start playing well, and then we can't afford them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this was great to see. He started his career in Pittsburgh. He's staying in Pittsburgh. Um, I mean, he's a guy who's just had great numbers throughout his career. Mm-hmm. Career batting average of 290, well, 289. Yeah. Um, OBP 366, slugging percentage 488, OPS of 854. Mm-hmm. Those are his career numbers for the first four years of his young career. Yeah, and you know he does get 13 and a half million for the two years, and he has one of my favorite traits in a baseball player. Do you know what that is? What's that? He's a switch hitter. Yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. It, it adds so much value to a player when they can hit from both sides of the plate. It's just a matchup nightmare for opposing managers. It, it, it is because you can't do the righty lefty thing. You'd be like, okay, well, what's numbers? Uh, what side are his numbers worse on? And, yep. and, and you know, for some guys, it's like, okay, maybe the average dips, but the power increases. <laughs> uh, yeah, and there's there's some guys that hit for power on both sides, and they don't even have a dip. Like, and he's one of those players that's like uber productive from both sides of the plate too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's a matchup disaster for for opposing teams. Um, this was huge for Pittsburgh. I'm glad to see him stand there. Um, but I'd love to have a player in Brian Reynolds uh, in Cleveland in left field. Uh, yeah, I would too. Uh, for for now, that's Stephen Kwan. But, yes, you know, yes. But uh, you know, I, I think uh, I think Pirates fans everywhere are going to be a little bit happier. They're going to worry about hearing Brian Reynolds trade rumors uh, all season uh, long again. Uh, yeah, and, that was going to happen all year again if it wasn't for this. And, and despite the the best efforts of you know uh, Guardians Twitter trying to manifest the trade, uh, yeah. Brian Reynolds is coming to Cleveland. I'll say yet. Let's say yet. Let's let's put we'll yet. Say on yet. There. Yeah, you can put a yet on there. Yeah, yeah. a lot can happen. Um, and uh, I, I don't want to say that I made this contract happen, but I did wake up and put on a Roberto Clemente shirt today. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the city of Pittsburgh owes you one. Um, I think that this 100% only happened because of your choice of Roberto Clemente t-shirt today. Of course. Uh, so I'm hoping that you get a phone call and a thank you later. Yes, uh, you're welcome, Pittsburgh. You're welcome, Pirates <laughs> fans. <laughs> no, it's a great. It's great because Pittsburgh, it, they have an awesome stadium. It's a great place to go see a ball game. Mm-hmm. And their ownership sucks. It so does. it really, really stinks. And, uh, a lot, I, you know, I lived on the border of Ohio and Pennsylvania for a long time. A lot of my friends are Pirates fans, and uh, they're really, really excited and really, really relieved to, to have re-signed him. So, good for them. Yep, and, uh, you know, 
first they sign Cabrian Hayes to that mega deal, and they, they make sure Brian Reynolds is going to be here for a minute. Maybe things are heading in the right trajectory for the Pirates for the first time in forever. With, Isn't uh, it funny that the Pirates and the Guardians have both early on in the season <laughs> made a huge signing? It's funny because, you know, for the long... Like the entire like lockout and before any signings happened, I was calling the Guardians. Well, might as well be the Pirates. Well, I guess yep. they might as well be the Pirates. <laughs> they might as well be the Pirates. Yeah, that, that, it's so funny to see. But yeah, it's it's great. I, I hope this becomes a trend with small market teams that you know they start ponying up and keeping guys in town that came up through their farm system because it's just it's a great thing to see and for an organization to have a guy around like. He's a veteran now. Like, he's mm-hmm. only 27 years old, and he is a proven veteran. So that that just adds so much value to the team. It does. It adds a ton of value. And I think, you know, having a face that they can, you know, market, even if it's just short-term marketing for the Pirates, depending on how long he stays there and, you know, all that fun stuff. Having a familiar face that fans can, you know, gravitate towards would do wonders for that franchise. Uh, yeah, I agree 100%. Um, you know, they've got the rookie O'Neill Cruz coming up that might make some noise. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, yeah, this is about all they have to be ex- to be very excited about right now. So, yeah, it's good that they have someone there that they can make the face of the franchise. I mean, because you look at the look at the Pirates roster, it's, it's Brian Reynolds, it's Cabrian Hayes, it's you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting for O'Neill Cruz. But it's yep. it's Ben Gamble who homered yesterday, by the way. Um, Shout out to Ben Gamble. <laughs> uh, Michael Chavis, former Red Sox, also known as the Ice Horse. Uh, <laughs> Great nickname. Great nickname. Uh, professional softball player Daniel Vogelbach, uh, Kevin Newman. <laughs> <laughs> professional softball player. He is. He, he looks like a softball player. He really does, man. He really does. But you look at their like their their pitching, like Jose Quintana, like oh come on, what are you doing? Yeah, like, it's rough. I, I remember a couple years back, I had a back and forth with someone like when Quintana was still on the White Sox. I'm like, dude, Quintana's not as good as you think he is. He is no. all smoke and mirrors. And he's like, no, 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 no. Then they, they, you know the Cubs get him. He's excited. I'm like, dude, this is gonna blow up, and it did. <laughs> it reminds me. Uh, he reminds me a lot of like the Dontrell Willis, like uh, a guy that like people got way too excited about, overrated, and then fizzled out. Yeah. So yeah. I was just like, I tried to tell you this dude's just not as good as what you think he is. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he was just looking at numbers, not looking at him actually pitch. But like, there was reasons for like where his numbers got to, and they were they were very apparent uh, toward the end of his Cubs tenure why it did not work out. You can always tell who watches the games and who reads the box, of course. <laughs> always. The the people that actually watch the games are the, the people like you that tell people, like, hey, let's pump the brakes a little bit on this guy. You know, this is kind of a mirage what we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people who only look at the box scores are seeing, oh, this guy's, you know, he's a stud. And it's uh, you can see a lot more with your eyes when you actually watch the games than you can learn from uh, just looking at the numbers. So. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Numbers are great. Advanced numbers are great. Uh, analytical numbers, fan graphs, whatever, whatever sport you're looking at, fantastic. Mm-hmm. But if you're not actually watching them and pairing them with actually watching a player play or perform, they're useless. Yep. It's, uh, you can make stats tell any story that you want them to, really. 
Um, not to get, not to cross sports here, but I got into an interview, I got into an argument, uh, with some guy trying to tell me that Rashard Higgins was the most, uh, uh, impactful receiver in the NFL at one point. Oh my God. I don't even know how he would entertain that, but I'm sure he had some numbers that he used to, to pretend like it was a fact. And yeah, yeah, that's what happened. But back to baseball, uh, no, but it's, it's. It happens all the time. You know, we, we see people do this with guys all the time. So mm-hmm. It does. Uh, I believe you have a trivia question for me. I do. So you had a trivia question on our first show, mm-hmm. and uh, you are the trivia master. So I thought it would be fun if every once in a while I bring a trivia question for you and try to stump the frob. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So in honor of – the New York Mets money line cashing for me, and Pete Alonso two plus hits cashing for me. Nice. I have a new I have a New York themed baseball trivia question for you today. Okay. All right. So only three players have played for all of the current and former New York teams. So the Yankees, Mets, Dodgers, Giants. Okay. Can you name two of the three that play for all four? All four teams. Actually, you know what? One. You can name one. Just name one that played for all four. So so Giants, Dodgers. Mets, Yankees. Mets, Yankees. Okay. Mm-hmm. So obviously um, it had to be after the Dodgers and Giants left town for them yes. to play for all four. Um, yes. They're all, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, relatively recent players. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the grand scale of baseball, they're not—they're not players from uh, the 1910s or 1920s. No. Man, this is tough. I know you're a Mets guy. Yeah. Which so is... I thought—I thought that there was one name on here that you might get for sure. But it's a. Re- this is a really tough one. If you get one, I'll be impressed if you get one. This is tough. Man. I'll give you a hint. Uh, 1980s, 1990s is uh, the most famous of the group. Okay, most famous of the group is 80s, 90s. One one of the players had a cup of tea in Cleveland in the year 2000. But he would qualify for random Cleveland Athlete of the Week. It's a really, really random person. I don't think you'll ever get that one. Oh. I'll give you a few more seconds here. You can just tell me when you're stumped. Doc Gooden? Please not Doc Gooden. Oh. Not right era. Right era. Daryl Strawberry. Boom. You got one. That's the one I thought you were going to get. Yeah. And that's why I started with two or three, and then I was like, you know what? This is a really tough question. Yeah, so Daryl Strawberry is one. Are you ready for the other two? Yeah, you, you, for what it's worth, you, you did throw me off with Doc Gooden because Doc Gooden played for uh, the Yankees and the Mets and – in Cleveland. So that's what threw me in ah, his direction. Yes. Yep, 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 yep. When you hear the name, you're going to shit. Uh, so one of them, you'll, uh, okay, Jose Vizcaino, you know, he's yep. the other. But this last one, tell me the last time you heard this name, Ricky Lede. Oh, it's been a minute. <laughs> yeah. He totally would have been a random Cleveland athlete of the week, or of the week, yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, Ricky Lede played for the uh, the Cleveland Guardians at the time in the year 2000. He had a cup of tea with us. So nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the only three to ever do it: Daryl Strawberry, Ricky Lede, and Jose Vizcaino. 
I just thought wow. that was pretty fascinating because those are four of the biggest franchises in all baseball. Yeah. So I kind of thought that more than one would eventually bounce around. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you'd think it would happen more often. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those are the only three: Daryl Strawberry, Ricky Lede, Jose Vizcaino. That's the trivia question of the week. That that was a good one. You, you got me. You got me. So I've got I've got you once. We'll keep a little running tally here. Okay. You're 0 for 1 right now, but these are really hard. So that, that, was, a, that was a tough one. That was a tough one. <clears throat> that was a tough one. So, speaking of one of those former New York teams, the Giants, they're coming to town. Yes, they are. We can preview the series. We have a three-game series coming up with the Giants, and this is the home opening series for the Cleveland Guardians era. So, really, really exciting um, but what do you think about this matchup uh, this early in the year? It's kind of a funky matchup, the San Francisco Giants. It is kind of funky. Um, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be funky yet familiar in the first game, and here's why: their first starter is Carlos Rodon, and, and formerly the Zach, White Sox. So we got Carlos Rodon and Zach Plesac on night one. That's going to be the home opener, uh, seven ten p.m. Yep, and. He has dominated the Guardians lineup outside of Jose Ramirez in his career, uh, including Ramirez. Uh, his career, the their slash line against Rodon is 091-150-180. They, they have struck out 20 times in 74 at-bats. They have five doubles, four of which belong to Jose Ramirez, one triple, which belongs to Jose, and one home run belonging to Ahmed Rosario. Mm. So here's the good news. I doubt they're gonna let him go oop, like super long. Yeah. So even if he, even if he's lights out, um, I would imagine Rodon. They probably got at a, about an eighty. I would I would guess eighty pitches is when they'd want to pull him. I, I would imagine. Uh, let me see Just, how many pitches he pitched in his first game. That'll tell us a lot. Eighty nine. Okay, so he threw eighty nine his first game. Um, was. When do they pull him? Does it say? Five innings. Five innings, 89 Five pitches. Innings. He struck out 12, walked two, allowed one run on three hits, and a 2-1 loss to the Marlins. Right. Okay, so that's the good news. The good news is we'll probably only see him for about five innings. But the bad news is that's dreadful. For, <laughs> the bad um, news is all of that. <laughs> yeah, all of that is going to be no fun. Um, yeah, Giants' first five innings money line might be the play. It, it, it might be. Uh, and for reference, the only guys in the Giants lineup that uh, Plesak has faced is Kurt Casale and Tyro Estrada. And mm. they are 0 for 4 with one strikeout. Well, that's good. Um, it's good that we got a lot of guys that haven't seen Plesak before. Mm-hmm. So ho- hopefully that first time through the lineup, um, you know, they struggle. Mm-hmm. And if that's what happens, you know, then if we can get through five innings or six innings of work with Carlos Rodon... I think we'll we'll have a chance uh, to to win it in the later innings. Yeah, I definitely they I definitely think they have a chance. Uh, chance as good as uh, uh, anyone. Um, it's just a night a nightmare matchup for the bats. Yeah, I mean that's it, a it's a it's a rough go. Maybe something's changed with his uh, his uh, move over to San Francisco. Maybe they want him to attack uh, hitters differently, which is possible. That's very possible, yeah. I mean, different pitching coaches have totally different philosophies on how to approach a game. So, yeah, that's true, too. I mean, he, I might, mean, he might be a... 
for for what it's worth, I mean, when Garrett Cole was in Pittsburgh, they're like, throw the sinker ball. When he went to Houston, they're like, ditch the sinker. It ain't working. Right. Um, and we saw the results, so. And, and, you know, for what it's worth, we have a different hitting hitting uh, coach now with a completely different hitting approach. So, you know, it it could benefit. It could benefit, yeah. And, and look at what they've shown us so far, you know. Uh, if, if anything, Chris Villake, is, he's got to be <laughs> – early running for assistant coach of the year in major league baseball so far definitely definitely yeah so that's good you know we we might be able to approach him with a different approach at the plate and uh maybe we will hit him yep and uh we talked about uh this game earlier for the the second game it, you know potentially maybe sit Fran Mio Reyes in this game because of his history uh because he's, you know, it's a, it's a righty and he's a righty. And uh, mm-hmm. for what it's worth, Fermi Rice is one for four against Anthony Desclafani, but another pitcher that they have struggled against historically. Yeah, uh, it, that's going to be a good matchup. Cal Quantrill's coming in with the win, 3.6 ERA. Desclafani's, mm-hmm. I got him at a 4.91 ERA right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think if you're going to arrest Framil, this is, this is probably the game that you do it mm-hmm. um, for that reason. And, uh, yeah, definitely it's going to be an interesting game. If, if Quantrill continues to throw like he's throwing right now, mm-hmm. um, I, I really like this matchup for Cleveland. And for what it's worth, uh, Cal Quantrill's done pretty good against uh, the four batters in the Giants lineup that he's faced before. Um, Brandon Belt's the only guy that's really uh, got – the only guy that's got multiple hits. He's two for five. But Brandon Crawford's 0 for two. Jack Peterson, one for seven. But that one hit was a home run. Mike mm. Yastrzemski, one for four with a double. Okay. So so not bad. He, he the, the guys that we have faced, you know, none of them are, none of their numbers are jumping off the page. Just somebody that's going to eat up Quantrill. Mm-hmm. So, so I, that's good news. This could be a game uh, for uh, the Guardians to sit. Uh, Fran Meal, one for four with a double. Ahmed Rosario is the only other player that has a hit. He's also one for four with a double. Jose Ramirez, 0 for 11. Oscar Mercado, 0 for 5. Austin Hedges, 0 for 2. And why do they still have pitcher stats on here? But Shane Bieber's 0 for 3 with the strikeouts. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, yeah, uh, interesting. It, it, interesting for that game. I, I, I think that one could also be... Uh, I like this matchup a lot. Uh, I, I think I've really liked what I saw from Quantrill in his first outing. Mm-hmm. Um, so hoping to see more of that from him. Um, yeah, if we could rest for Anmel, that'd be great. Uh, but yeah, I really like, uh, I really like the Guardians to win that one, um, on Saturday. Yeah, I, I do too. I think it's, it's definitely of the winnable variety. I think that's what we need to, I guess, focus on. It's, cause it's, you know, you look at these old stats and, you know, it's a different approach and they're, they're not hitting that way now anymore. You know, I mean, no. I'm, I'm looking at all these guys and they're, they're not drawing walks against these pitchers. They're the Guardians are drawing walks now. Yeah, yeah, we're we're totally. It, when when you're making pitchers go deep into the count and you're you're hitting for average as opposed to just trying to hit a home run or strike out, mm-hmm. uh, it's a diff, it's a completely different approach, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. So yeah, it will be interesting to see if uh, if for like a guy like Jose Ramirez that hasn't got a hit off him yet, mm-hmm. if maybe a, a different approach uh, will help him break through. Yep, and uh, that game on Saturday is at six ten. But uh, the rubber match on Sunday, potentially, uh, 1.40 p.m. start. That's kind of an odd start time for a Sunday game. That is an odd start time. But Aaron Savale, Alex Wood, 
Not a lot of track records for either guy against the other pitchers, or against the other batters, should I say. Uh, Svalley's only faced Jock Peterson twice, striking him out once. Uh, got s- some sort of other out against Peterson, doesn't say. But uh, against Alex Wood, Austin Hedges, one for eight. That's not surprising. Not surprising. Uh, You're going to see that for pretty much every <laughs> pitcher Austin Hedges is up against. Uh, Framio Reyes, 0 for 1 with a walk and a strikeout. Ahmed Rosario, 2 for 5 with a strikeout. And Miles Straw, 0 for 1. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, so the, a lot of question marks for this game, too. You know, It'll be interesting to see how they hit Wood. Um it might be one of those games where first time through the lineup, you know, it's it might be a little painful. Uh, but once once they get through, once they get through the order once and they approach him for the second time, the the Guardians have shown this year that they are much much better in their second at bat than they are in their first. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's a trend that we'll continue to see from them going forward. Yeah, and, and looking at his previous uh, outing for Alex Wood, uh, he allowed two runs on five hits and a walk. Uh, stroke out, struck out six, had four ground ball outs, eight fly ball outs. Uh, he did allow a home run in the contest and a 4-2 to two loss to San Diego. So pretty average outing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so Pretty it, average outing. It, it seems to be pretty much like on par with what you expect out of Alex Wood. Yeah, 100%. You know, I agree. It's about what he is. I mean, it's a little bit, uh, I guess, lower than what you expect expect career-wise his career era is 3.5 but you look at some of these years it it fluctuates so some years it's you know mid to low threes other years it's over four i mean in in 2019 his only year in cincinnati he had an era close to six uh when he returned to the dodgers in 2020 it was over six Mm. Mm. but it was it was going to san francisco that lowered everything you know sometimes uh that heavy heavy San Francisco air can impact the fly ball. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's the heavy air in San Fran for sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. It happens. <laughs> it happens a lot, unfortunately. Oh, oh, yeah, I was going to ask you this. How important do you think it is to win this series against the Giants, being the opening series of the Guardians era? I think it's extremely important because uh, you look at it from, from two different angles. It's going to be, I would say, so far their first real test against a real opponent this season. I, I, I think, agree with you there. I think the Giants are an average to good team. They're more um, of a playoff contender than the Royals or um, or the Reds, that's for sure. Yeah. They're at least in the discussion for the postseason. It, and I, I watched the the Giants absolutely destroy you, Darvish, the other night. He looked like shit. Um, oh. He allowed like 10 runs over just over an inning. It was horrible. Yeah, he's one of those guys. When he's off, it's bad. Uh, he, that looked like Cubs era, you Darvish, and yeah. like except for his last year in Chicago, honestly, and that was not good. But I think it's important from the aspect of they're facing their first like real opponent. Also, mm-hmm. it's the fan bases at home. It's the first time the home fans get to see the team underneath yep. this new name, underneath this new uh, shifted look. I'll call it. Because it's yeah. not really a, a it's it's a rebrand, but it's more of a reshift than a rebrand. Yeah, it's not a complete transformation by any means. It's more of a subtle a subtle change, um, but uh, an important one at that. So yeah, I agree with you. I think that you know it, it's a long season. You know, obviously you can't win every series, but I think a win 
in this series against the Giants would be absolutely massive for this team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is, too, is, you know, with the way that the first six games have gone, I think there's actually a little bit of buzz around the Guardians right now, more so than we would have expected by the start of the series. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what the attendance looks like on the 16th and 17th. Because at the beginning of the season, uh, we were talking off air about it, and we didn't expect to see many fans in the seats beyond opening day. Mm-hmm. But now it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I mean, for for what it's worth, I, I have the uh, the ESPN schedule pulled up, and it has you know the ticket prices, you know tickets as low as uh, the tickets for Saturday are, are twenty nine dollars as low as twenty nine dollars, but for Sunday it's forty one dollars. Those usually tail yeah. off to like ten fifteen bucks after the opening day. Yeah, so there's there's a little bit of buzz. There's a little bit of excitement. Um, like we mentioned earlier, youngest team in the major leagues right now. Um, so there was a lot of question marks coming into the season. Uh, and to be completely honest, there wasn't too, too many reasons for optimism. But now that we've re-signed Jose Ramirez, uh, we've had the absolutely meteoric rise of Stephen Kwan. Um, you know, we got a great performance out of McKenzie the other day. Bieber's going to Bieber. Um, now I think fans are, are coming around and thinking, okay, you know, maybe this team's going to be a little better than we thought. I, I do think that's very possible that it's going to be a little bit better than we thought. I mean, I wasn't too particularly high on this team uh, coming into the season only because of we didn't know what they were going to be. Yeah. Because there were so many question marks. It, it, it was, and it, I think still is, a, a transition year of sorts. Uh for the franchise and, and not just through their their brand and their their name and but mm-hmm. the the roster as a whole because yeah a lot of the guys that we're used to seeing out there there aren't there we're, you know we we started Stephen Kwan on opening day and Owen Miller seeing a good amount of time and right. Oscar Mercado seems to has resurrected his career Andres Jimenez seem and Ernie Clement have carved out roles of sorts on this roster yeah. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of production from guys that we did not expect it from. That's for sure. I, I mean, a lot of guys were given the uh, you know perform or we're sending you down uh, test, and most of them have performed. <laughs> yeah, and I'll say this about a team that's only played six games. One thing I did not expect to have this early on in the season is the Guardians team to have an identity. But this, this Guardians baseball team knows who they are, and they've established their identity. And for them to already have done that in six games, I think it's huge. Mm-hmm. But I, I think this approach that we're seeing at the plate um, that Chris Palaika and Victor Rodriguez have the guys approaching teams with, it, it seems to be what their identity is going to be moving forward. It's the game plan. We're having success with it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's really, really encouraging because I did not think by a game one, uh, the home opener, we would know very much about this team. And, you know, I think some things were answered pretty early on. They, they were. And, you know, they, like you said, they have an identity. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, they put the ball in play. They hit for contact. They work the counts. They're not, they're not afraid to take a walk. And mm-hmm. they're not afraid to try and steal a base. Yep. You know they're, what I mean? And, and they're, they're guys that with two strikes, they're not afraid to, to choke up and change their approach a little bit and just put it in play. Um, you saw a guy, Jose Ramirez, went oppo with his home run. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Jose Ramirez go oppo on a home run. He pulls everything. Mm-hmm. So for him to be seeing the ball and hitting it to the opposite field, it seems to me like that's, that looks to me like a, a Chris Vileka, uh Jose Ramirez 
something they figured out in the cage together, if that makes sense. It, it definitely does. I mean, you know, I, I made the comparison earlier in the, the podcast here to those Royals teams that were just so good at just putting the ball in play over and over again. Yep. It, that That's the vibe I'm getting from the way that they're they're playing so far, is it reminds me of the way the Royals play when they have to, you know, they're good and when they have to win. It's They put the ball in play, they, they run the base as well, they have good speed on the base paths. Yeah. I, I Man, I... <laughs> I was really excited to start this podcast because I, lo- I love talking about baseball and I love talking to you. But but now, <laughs> where I'm at today, as opposed to where I was episode one, mm-hmm. like I'm way more excited about this season going forward than I was, you know, just a couple weeks ago. Like uh, there's just a lot, a lot, a lot to be really pleased with and how the year has gone so far. Um, and I think there's a lot of things to be optimistic for moving forward. So, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm in a different place. Uh, I predicted about 77 wins. I'm still going to say that that's might be about where they finish, but I do think that they also have the potential to be an 85 win team, like a pesky team that, you know, maybe gets hot and, you know, puts a little run together. I mean, yeah, it's possible. I mean, I, I projected 74 at the beginning of the season, just because I, there was just so much unknown. Yeah. And if I'm going to be wrong about their, their win loss total, I'd rather be wrong in the fact that I underestimated their win total. Yeah, same here. Same here. You you never wanna, you never wanna give you know your favorite team, your home squad, too much credit or more credit than they deserve. And I, I think we've been very fair in our criticism them, criticisms of them going into this season. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, a lot of these guys that we were really critical um, early in the year are are the guys that are making a statement right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's a great time to be a Cleveland Guardians fan. Uh, and I'm so excited for this weekend and, and for this home opener. Yeah, it's gonna be gonna be electric downtown. Uh, you know, because the the Cavs do have their play in game as well that night. So that's right. Uh, best of luck to anyone going to either one of those games. Um, yeah, if you're headed downtown, <laughs> make sure uh, you got your exit plan because it's gonna be traffic in and out of that place like crazy. <sighs> yeah. So the as of now, the the game. Uh, for the Guardians, the moment are still scheduled at seven ten, unless they're going to make some announcement at some point, which I imagine if they do, it's going to be sometime in the next couple hours or so. Uh, yeah, it would but, have to be. Uh, I, with the the amount of logistics that would have to go, I I don't think that they're going to uh, yeah. to to move anything. But uh, with that, I, I think we've come to a conclusion here uh, with this episode. Uh, just a reminder: this podcast is available on. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, what? SoundCloud. What? This is Believeland. What? Uh, and uh, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, comment, subscribe. I'm telling you again. Uh, make sure you tell your friends your family or else it's stealing and stealing's not cool. Don't steal. It's not cool.